You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 433. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP433. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people, Amy here, and this week we're going to be continuing our mini two-part series around needs. Last week we spoke with Mara Glatzel on the concept of being needy and how that manifests inside of our interpersonal relationships. If you didn't catch that episode, please be sure to do so. Mara really shared some awesome gems. This week, I'm going to be talking to you about developing and really advocating for your personal hierarchy of needs. So we're going to be digging into the pyramid created by Abraham Maslow, which is commonly referred to as the Maslow's Pyramid or Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And we're going to look at how that has really stood the test of time and how that can really help you understand where are my needs possibly not being met that I maybe have been ignoring without even realizing it, and then moving into what might that look like to start advocating for those needs, whether it's inside of a relationship or whether it's just simply about taking some concerted action in order to get your needs met. So I want to talk a little bit about Abraham Maslow. And if you look up any of his photos online, he just has the most lovely face. And just it was always such a seeker of fulfillment, which I think is such a human driver. So a bit about him, he was a, at the time of the creation of his hierarchy of needs, he was 35 years old. He was of Jewish descent and Russian origin. He was a psychologist and he really had left his orthodox upbringing and was genuinely searching for the meaning of life. So no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Just uh, just on the quest for the meaning of life, which is incredibly human. But he wanted to find out what that meaning could look like outside of theology, outside of a dogmatic religion. In fact, he has this great quote that says, the human being needs a framework of values, a philosophy of life, a religion or a religion surrogate to live by and understand by in about the same sense that she needs sunlight, calcium, or love. Now, of course, 
It said he. (laughs) But I helped him out there a little bit. I'm just kind of over seeing it being like mankind and forefathers and he and God being associated with I'm just I'm kind of fucking done with that. I digress. I think this is really pivotal, though, because it shows that we do all have this driving force for there to be something bigger than us or for there to genuinely be meaning behind what we do. Now, the hierarchy of needs first saw the world in academic publication in the U.S. in 1943 and has really been a mainstay ever since then with the psychological sciences. And I do want to mention, too, that I got a lot of this information from a specific YouTube video that I saw that was put together by the School of Life, and you can find that information in the show notes. I thought it was a really great synopsis and kind of encapsulation of this specific pyramid. And I thought it was a really, really great breakdown. So a lot of the information that I'm sharing with you all today comes from that specific video. So the breakdown of this pyramid is essentially a five-part pyramid. If you haven't seen it before, I'm kind of shocked. But (laughs) anyway, it's a pyramid that has five different levels to it. Now, the first two levels, the bottom levels are what he refers to as material needs. And then the top three are considered psychological slash spiritual needs. So let's break these down a little bit. And I want you to start thinking about, as I'm going through all of these, where you might be experiencing some discomfort in your life that may be indicative of a need that's not being met. A lot of times... The call for change or for our action comes in the form of discomfort. It comes in the form of uncomfortable emotions, feeling shame, feeling disconnected, sad, frustrated, overwhelmed, guilty, resentful, (laughs) uh, you name it, right? So there's a whole wealth of really uncomfortable emotions that I truly think are the entry point for us to recognize, okay, there's something that's happening here. Now, they're not always just emotional feelings that clue us in to something being awry. Sometimes it is a physical feeling. So keep an eye out for physical discomfort and emotional discomfort in any number of these five basic needs and see if there might be something that you could shift in order to cater to that need a little bit more. Okay, so the first need that's, if you're visualizing this, it is on the bottom of the pyramid. And we're gonna talk about too, why it is so important that there there is a hierarchy or that they are, they're all catered to in some approximation because there are ways in which your pyramid may be upside down, may be a little bit lopsided, depending on what needs are being met and what are being neglected, which ones are being neglected. So the first bottom rung is the physiological needs. Okay, this is sort of primitive human behavior. This is the need for food for water, for warmth, for sleep and rest, for breath, for sex, that the need to procreate. 
that uh, some people feel more strongly than others, <laughs> for sure. And that is something that if we don't have those physiological needs met, it's very difficult for us to move into any of the various spiritual needs. For example, if you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, it's not likely that really bolstering a sense of self-esteem or fostering belonging and cultivating rich friendships is top of mind because you absolutely must cater to that physiological need first. So keep in mind, are there elements here physiologically that you might need to alter or or switch up? Now, this might look like needing to monitor what you are consuming. Are you having any type of food allergies? Are there certain things that you drink or eat that contribute to lethargy? or stress or lack of energy. So I'm certainly not one to say, oh, we need to diet and we need to be fucking thin. I think that is an antiquated notion that we need to get out of here as soon as fucking possible. But I do think that what we put into our systems creates how we feel in a lot of ways. And I also recognize that that's an extreme privilege. It's an extreme privilege to analyze what supplements we might need or if we need to eliminate gluten or add some, you know, electrolytes or whatever it might be. Not everybody has those sense has that privilege. The next rung is safety needs. Safety is going to be inclusive of bodily security, safety from attack, feeling a sense of security. This can also be about employment. In our day and age, a lot of our safety and security comes from currency, from having some sort of monetary method of survival. So if you are in a situation that is lacking financial security, and I'm talking about like at at an extremely basic level, I'm not talking about abundance and affluence and wealth and things like that. I'm talking about are you able to afford your food and a roof over your head? Freedom from attack. Freedom from bodily harm. Okay. That is going to be your safety need category. Okay. The way that I see this manifest a lot is in domestic situations where there is emotional abuse that is happening. So one of the ways that you can check in on this is, do I feel safe, not just physically, but emotionally in my in the place that I reside. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be about partners, people who are intimately connected. This could be roommates. This could be family, extended family. This could be people you're caretaking for or someone who's caretaking for you. Do you feel secure and safe emotionally and physically in your domicile? where you reside. So those are the first two 
material needs. Now we move up the pyramid to the three spiritual or psychological needs. Now again, the concept is unless those basic two needs on the bottom, physiological and safety needs are met, we don't really care that much about are we living up to our potential or do we have a sense of belonging or, you know, it's very difficult for us to give a shit about those needs if we don't know where our food's coming from. The first level of the spiritual or or psychological needs is one of belonging. Now, this is something that I've talked about a lot on the show because it really is the root of where our defense mechanism around people-pleasing and catering to others stems from. If you were not part of a group of individuals, if we're talking about our primitive human ancestors, hunter-gatherer days, if you were not part of an organized group, that quite literally meant impending death. Your rate of survival depended on belonging with this other grouping of individuals. So that developed a defense mechanism of I must belong to this group. And now as that has we've evolved as a species, now we have that translated to if my mother-in-law doesn't approve of me, if Susie in accounting doesn't like the work that I'm doing, then I might die. Now, do we consciously think that? Fuck no. But we still register it as a threat. We register it as a threat if there's ever a sense of not belonging. Look at the bullying that we have, all the ways in which we have social classes and all this bullshit is all rooted in this idea that we need other people in order to survive. And we know a lot from Brene's research, Dr. Brene Brown, who I love to call Our Lady Our Lady Brene of House Brown. She talks extensively about how we are wired for human connection. In fact, I'm going to put a link to a Hidden Brain episode that, if you're not familiar with Hidden Brain, it is a podcast that's produced by NPR. And they did a really incredible story on the loneliness of the American man. And it talks about how sort of our notions around masculinity have created a disconnect for for those who identify as male, where really showing evidence of connection, which is really highly emotionally expressive, has become so demonized that it has arrested the connection that most men get to feel in their lifetime. And it's a really, really fascinating episode. I highly encourage you to listen to it. Again, it'll be in the show notes. And they talk about the very distinct difference of when that that freedom to connect starts to erode for, for boys as they are growing up. And it's kind of right around the age of 12. And they look at how it's so beautiful and adorable and cute for little boys when they're five, six, seven, eight to show affection to show genuine belonging and connection with other boys. 
And then they start chronicling how they get to this point when they are around that age of 12. Of course, that's malleable. And it becomes uncool to show emotional connection with your friends, to say I love you, to physically hug. And then it becomes this very toxic masculine version of what we see in our culture. And then the effects don't show up as as prominently until later adulthood in as far as loneliness is concerned. So what they have found is that so much of the social belonging for most men and again this is in I'm assuming cishet relationships, cisgender heterosexual relationships where a lot of the connections and senses of belonging and community have been fostered by the wife or the you know the woman in the relationship and then sadly because gosh i don't even know where it's at right now i want to say it's like 60% possibly even higher of marriages end in divorce and second marriages i believe are even higher than that so when there ends up being you know, the one element of connection we can always advocate for is getting married, right? A man is always allowed to have that type of intimacy, that type of connection, because it can be, it, you know, it's wildly masculine in our society. But when that is removed, so when there happens to be a divorce, then that man tends to lose his entire social network that has been fostered by the woman in the relationship. And has led to extreme loneliness because now not only is that sense of belonging and that social circle removed, so too is the ability to connect because so many men have not been given the skills or the tools or the permission to connect with others. And it's leading to this unbelievable loneliness epidemic. So this particular piece of the puzzle, the belonging, is so imperative to our existence. And I think we're seeing this illuminated quite a bit during the pandemic. In fact, I've seen Mr. Smith has talked about it, those of you who are newer to the show, that's my husband. He was a, a part of the show for for many, many years. He works in in body work as a massage therapist. He does a specific type of rehabilitation for sports injury and recovery. And he will have people who book sessions just to be touched, to feel a sense of connection. We are not designed to isolate. We are not supposed to be not seeing one another's expressions because we're masked up all the time. It has been incredibly devastating for a lot of people's mental health. So this category of belonging can be inclusive of experiencing love, fostering friendships. This can also be sexual intimacy. And now this is very different than the physiological need to procreate. This is the need to be intimately connected with another individual. In fact, 
<laughs> this may be a little bit of TMI, but Mr. Smith and I will commonly refer to it as connecting. So I'll we will say, like, I really need to connect with you because it and we're referring to a sexual connection, but it's so much deeper than that because it is it envelops really us the two of us coming together. And so I can really feel a disconnect if if that's gone on a little bit too long. And it's no wonder that we lack in additional intimacy with one another when there's no sexual connection. So um, I'm saying that in a in a general sense. When one lacks sexual connection with their partner, you can lack in other intimate areas as well, um, like expressing your desires or your needs or your wants and dreams and your emotional self. All of that is intimate. This can also be about connection and intimacy in general, just straight up having community. And that's going to vary depending on who you are and what that looks like. So I know for a lot of us who are introverted, that is definitely myself. I like to say I'm an outgoing introvert. I'm gregarious and loud, but I definitely do not recharge or get my energy from being around a lot of people. And so the pandemic has been okay for me in that regard, but I definitely get where I'm like, oh, I do need some rich connection. I crave the intimacy more than anything else. I don't want vapid, superficial conversations about bullshit, but I also don't want to be with a huge amount of people. I just want these rich connections. And I can feel the void of that when I haven't had it for a while. You know, I can really feel the pain of that. So I want you to think about that, too, in your life as far as any belonging needs that you might have. Are there desires for richer connections with friends? Are you looking for a richer connection with a partner, with a family member? Do you feel isolated and disconnected in your work environment? For some of us, working in a a community and in a connected environment is incredibly important. So everybody is going to have varying degrees of this need. So think about how that might apply to you. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, Damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries. Or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, 
contending with fear and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course, can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com slash speaking, where they can get in touch with me because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions, like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my... colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, and it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test test kit. Now let's jump back into today's topic. Continuing up the pyramid, we now hit esteem needs. And I would say that this is the area that tends to lead people to the work that I do. This is around respect, achievement, confidence, worthiness. This is believing in your own value, believing that you matter, that you can take up space, that you're valuable, that you are deserving, that you are enough. Esteem. How do I view myself? All right. So a lot of times when people come to work with me, it is, it's under the guise of something material, right? So a lot of times people will say, you know, oh, I just need to change jobs, right? That's more of a safety need. Or, oh, I just need, you know, a bigger home or I need more money or affluence or whatever, which are all very, very material. But under all of that is typically some sort of deep-seated belief 
that you just don't matter as much or that you're not worthy or you're not enough. Whoever I am in this life, it must be attained. My value must be attained through accomplishments or boxes I can check instead of really looking at who I am as a human and do I like that person. And this can also be related to material needs, okay? So for example, you may have a really, really low sense of self or you might be severely lacking in confidence or self-worth and at the same time, you're living in a house where you have a parent or a child or a partner who makes liking yourself a shit ton harder, right? So it could be, I don't feel safe. Again, one of those bottom needs, the material needs. I don't feel emotionally or physically safe around my child. And they are constantly belittling me and telling me that I'm such a loser or whatever that is also infusing itself into my esteem needs. So it doesn't mean that all of these are going to be completely isolated or untethered. There's going to be some crossover here. And one of the things that I talk about a lot with my students and clients is that if you are either in a domestic situation or a workplace situation that is highly abusive and toxic, where you are residing in such an intense, stressful place, a highly anxious place, it makes all of this personal development work, which is on the top part of the pyramid, a shit ton harder. I have seen people who have gotten out of really toxic relationships, like spousal relationships, and their nervous system has to kind of adjust to the fact that they're not actually in danger anymore. Their nervous system is like, we're so used to fighting for our safety that I don't know how to quite come down from that. But once they do, now they can actually focus on some of these esteem needs like believing in their own enoughness or trying out new things that are now available to them because they're not constantly fighting for their own fucking safety. And I've seen this happen in workplaces as well, where the environment is one in which you are in such a permanent state of threat. It's like threat level midnight, <laughs> If you know that re that reference, you get so many points. You get 400 points. Arbitrary, arbitrary points. So if you are in one of those workplaces, basically what is happening is your body, your nervous system is operating in the sympathetic system. So it thinks that you are constantly in some kind of threat. So it is sending in all of all of the messaging, all of the hormones, all of the things to say, I think we're in danger and we're not designed to prolong that state of stress. And it wreaks havoc on our bodies. In fact, we're going to start a brand new series next week where we're going to talk to an expert specifically about that, about how stress impacts us. So a lot of times what I will see from folks is 
when they remove themselves from that intense workplace that feels like you are constantly putting out fires and warding off danger, whether that is your boss coming down on you or somebody yelling at you or fear of getting fired, any number of things are just feeling so incredibly overwhelmed because there's just not enough time in the day to handle all of those things. Those elements can thwart your ability to cater to your own fucking growth. Because again, we're talking about a hierarchy. So if you are in that constant state of threat, whether it's in your home or in your work, those are the two most prevalent that I see. Because they're constant. They take up so much of our time and so much of our energy. If you are in either one of those, it makes working on your damn self so hard. So it's one of those things that I try to really amplify to people because I think that there's a way, and perhaps I'm guilty of this too, where the way we package up personal development, especially on fucking Instagram, with these memes that are like, believe in yourself or just have confidence or blah, blah, blah. And like, that's really, really hard if you're in an environment that tells you that you're shit all day long, whether it's a partner or a workplace. So please, please, please be compassionate with yourself that if you are in any of those types of scenarios, you're still trying to cater to your safety needs. You're still trying to cater to those material needs, our basic human needs. So no wonder it's hard to work with your inner critic. No wonder it's difficult to think that you're enough. Is all lost? Like, is it possible? Of course it's possible. But it makes your job a shit ton harder. I've often said before on the show that does Mr. Smith make me enough or make me valuable? No, absolutely not. But he makes my job a shit ton easier because he fosters that and he cheers me on. Same thing with my best friends and my, you know, closest inner circle of colleagues and friendships. Do they mean, do they make me valuable? Do they make me worthy? Fuck no. But it makes my life easier. And it's easier for me to handle these things because I'm not constantly trying to ward off that threat. So be gentle with yourselves, y'all. And then the very, very top of the pyramid is what Maslow referred to as self-actualization. And he defines this as living according to one's full potential. And the way that this has been sized up, which I don't fully agree with, (laughs) is uh, that this is where your morality, your creativity your problem solving, your acceptance of facts resides, and also your spontaneity. Now, if you've hung around the show for any length of time, you are going to know that I fucking hate being spontaneous. (laughs) I really hate it. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it's because I don't feel safe in those environments. So I I might have to dig into that a little bit more. But I really think where self-actualization comes in is truly around understanding what it is that we value. And the way that I describe values are components that must be present in your life in order for you to be fulfilled. 
And for me, creativity is one of those. I don't know as if everybody has a value around creativity. I think some folks have an extreme value around logic and strategy, rationale and reason where things need to really feel symmetrical and linear. And that feels incredibly fulfilling. I do think we all have the capacity for creativity. I absolutely think that. I think it can show up in a ton of different ways. But I I view personally self-actualization as understanding who I need to be in order to be fulfilled in this lifetime. How can I live up to my full potential? And self-actualization is going to be a lifetime process and practice. And I would argue that for many of you listening, we're probably dancing inside of these top three spiritual needs all the time and balancing them against some of these material needs like wanting to make sure our bills are paid and wanting to make sure that we've got groceries and all of those things. So, But we are now able to dance among those. For example, you can be grocery shopping, catering to your material needs, and listen to a podcast about believing in yourself or, you know, having confidence on your way to go get groceries, right? Like we, we're we in such a state that we can dance in between all of these at any given time. So bottom, physiological needs, then safety, then belonging, esteem, and then finally self-actualization. And so if you're visualizing that, if you happen to be kind of a visual learner, It should look like a pyramid with the largest piece being at the bottom. There are days that can pass where we don't really have to think about all of our rich connections and if we're experiencing, you know, sexual intimacy with somebody. But every fucking day we have to make sure we eat and breathe and have warmth and rest. Like those are non-negotiable for every human. So what do we do with this? How do we start moving into a place of advocating for these needs? Well, I think first of all, I would love for you to take a real solid inventory of these five levels for you and look at what am I missing in those areas? I talked about checking in around your core value system and This is something that I work with my clients and students on really in depth. We spend at least a solid week on it and we look for what are those components that need to be present in my life for me to be fulfilled. And I've noticed that if those elements are not present, I am obviously significantly less happy. One of those is human connection. One of the values that I have is human connection. It is inclusive of the work that I do, experiencing love. And when that isn't around, I can start to really feel it. I think many of us are feeling that with the the pandemic. Also, I have a value around creativity. If I am not working on some sort of creative project, I feel a void. I have a value around health and wellness. If I am not taking care of my physical vessel, if I'm not up to date on my doctor's appointments, if I'm not consuming enough water, I feel the effects of it. I can feel it in my joints. I can feel how I move is is not quite as 
agile as I would like it to be. So recognizing what are the things that you value, what are those components that need to be present, there's probably some needs there that need to be addressed. So as we've talked about these five areas, I want you to think about what might I be needing, craving, desiring, feeling an absence of in any of these categories. So for example, physiological needs. Is there anything happening around your food, your water, your rest that might be needing some attention? In the safety category, do you feel emotionally and physically safe and secure in your employment, in your residence, around belonging and esteem and self-actualization, these are probably going to get a little bit more meaty for us. Are you craving friendships, intimacy in general, fun and recreation falls here? Are you craving believing that you are enough, having confidence? Are you needing creativity, fulfillment, a real crystallization of your values under self-actualization? So I want you to think about what are the things that I've been feeling either physically or emotionally that have been painful and perhaps what need is getting stepped on. All right. So let's talk briefly about understanding the hierarchy and why the triangle matters. Okay. And there's a great quote by Abraham Maslow himself that says, one can choose to go back towards safety or forward towards growth. Growth must be chosen again and again. Fear must be overcome again and again. And I did a podcast ages ago about how our personal development journey is never done. We like to think that, okay, once I've fulfilled this need for confidence or once I've fulfilled this need for courage, I'm never going to need it again. And that's really not how it goes. We don't ever eat enough food where we're never going to have to eat that again. We, (laughs) Or we're never going to have to eat again. We're going to still have to sustain that need consistently over and over again. And I do think that depending on our circumstances, we may have to revert back to safety versus going forward towards growth. So for example, you might be somebody who really, really wants to work on themselves and wants to bolster a sense of worthiness, but you're in the middle of a relationship that you do not feel safe in. That's not you being like, well, I'm just going to choose to fucking go backwards. It's like, no, no, no. I have some safety needs that are not being met that have to be taken care of before I can really flourish. So there might be some things that you have to evaluate there. So in that video that I referenced earlier, which again will be in the show notes, they really depict quite nicely how our pyramids can look really lopsided. And an example of that would be kind of a direct opposite where someone is so focused on spirituality and so focused on who they are being and how they're operating and being Zen and, you know, what is life even, right? But not catering to their basic human needs. 
like not making sure that they have food or water or rest or some of these other things that we genuinely need to thrive. And then conversely, we see people who don't give a shit about spiritual needs and focus only on the material needs. In fact, Maslow was noticing even back then in the 40s and 50s how so much of big business and advertisement about what makes us happy was all focused around material needs. It was around luxuries and having the perfect home and things and cars and televisions and nothing was really being propagated much about community and sense of belonging in a really rich way and nothing about bolstering your self-confidence and really loving the person that you are or living up to your full potential. It was extremely myopic. Here's your roles. Here's your gender roles. Here's what's expected of you. That's not living up to one's own potential. What I would like for you to do is I want you to start thinking about one need that you have that you are going to actively nourish in any one of these areas. So what this might look like is I am going to cater to a health need and book a a naturopathic doctor's appointment. I am going to book an appointment with the therapist and talk about the lack of safety that I feel in my partnership. It could be, you know what, I'm really feeling a need for connection. I'm going to reach out to some friends of mine who I haven't talked to for a really long time. I am going to start working with a coach or some other practitioner around believing in myself. I'm going to start unpacking my disempowering beliefs. Or I'm going to sign up for a hypnosis app or something like that where I'm going to really work on rewiring my subconscious mind. I'm going to cater to my creativity or I'm going to get really clear on what my values are. So these can look a ton, a ton of different ways. So I want you to think about what that might be. And if you're feeling as though there are needs inside interpersonal relationships that aren't being met, things that you need to actively give voice to, I will throw a bunch of links into the show notes around having tough conversations, establishing boundaries, learning to say no. A lot of those things are rooted in interpersonal needs with our relationships. And I've done lots of drill down episodes on how to actually communicate those. So we'll throw that into the show notes as well. And like I mentioned earlier, next week I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Marisa Snyder. And she is incredible. And we're going to be digging into a two-part, I think it's going to be about two-part series, maybe more, around stress and how we're constantly navigating a litany of stress And don't even realize it because it's become so commonplace. So I do so hope that you will stay tuned for that. And I will see you around these parts next week. Please remember, your voice matters. You are enough. So go out there and tell the bold-faced truth. Peace. 
Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding. But I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.